Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Cindy, and Cindy happens to be my cousin. And we're going to talk about something that we have never, ever talked about in our family before. Uh, We all know about it, and we've all kind of swept it under the rug. And today we're going to talk about it. So, Cindy, welcome to my show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes, Cindy is living in California right now, and I don't know a whole lot about my own cousin because none of us really knew that much about any of our family members, and we'll go into that later. So, Cindy, tell me how you were involved in the Heaven's Gate situation. My mother in 1974 left to join the Heaven's Gate group with her mother and her half-sister, And her mother is my grandmother, Lorraine, and her half-sister is my mother's sister, Sharon. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I think in the HBO documentary, it's actually, you can see them in those pictures and clips and those kinds of things. So we were talking before we started recording, and Cindy was telling me things that I had never heard of. Because guys, even though this affected my family, it didn't affect, obviously, like it affected Cindy. My mom wasn't into any of this, but her mother was, and my mother's sister, of course, and my mother's half-sister, who is Cindy's mom. So if that helps at all. (laughs) So we're just going to start. Tell me about the situation where you and your brother, you said were walking to school one day or coming home from school one day, Cindy? So in 1974, we were getting ready for school. Our house was five houses from the school. And so I think my brother must have run ahead of me because I felt like I was by myself. And it feels so surreal. It feels like a dream, but I never forget it. And oftentimes I go back there um, in my mind. Um, So I'm walking down the street and I turn around. I'm in first grade. I turn around and I see, I believe it's my grandmother and my mom opening up the trunk of a car and loading suitcases in there. Mm. And so they load the suitcases in there. I kind of look back and I'm very intuitive. I'm a healer by trade. And so I just have this feeling that something's up. And so I go to school, do my thing, be a kid, come home. And there are neighbors in the house, including my Aunt Joanne, who's like a mom to me. Um, she is coming outside to greet us and not letting us come inside. And there are neighbors inside, including my grandmother, who's my dad's mom. Mm-hmm. And they're all crying. Oh my God. And I were like, what happened? We're thinking like somebody died. What's wrong? I mean, you're a little kid. You yeah. don't really know what's going on. You're eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. And so the next thing I know, they're coming outside and just talking to us and comforting us and telling us that everything's going to be okay. And then my dad was in construction. And so he wasn't home until around four or so. And this might have been like two or three. And so they waited until he came home and he came home and he told us that she had left. And we just didn't understand. I mean, how could you? And It was very, very confusing time. Um, The news media followed really quickly um, because all over the country, people were leaving their families to join this group. 
yeah. as as the group traveled throughout the United States, as you can see if you've ever watched any of the documentaries about it. Right. And that um, they were recruiting in all the different areas that they would go into. And so when my dad's story was published in the paper, he actually got other family members from the families that were leaving. Family members would call my dad and want to talk to him and you know, try and connect on some level of like, what's going on? Like, you don't understand. And my dad did try to go. They, she ended up in San Diego with the group in a hotel. And my dad got the sheriffs to try and pull her out. And the sheriff said, she's there on her own free will. We cannot force her to leave. Wow. Okay, guys, I just want my listeners to know, this is the first time I've heard any of this. That's why uh, I said, Cindy, let's just start recording. So she started telling the story and I said, wait, let's record. So if this gets a little emotional, because this is my family. And even though I've never really, I think I've met Cindy once in person, but we're not sure yet (laughs) because it's just so fuzzy guys. It's just, there's no, there was no communication. Uh, Women in our families were used to leaving their kids. And that's just the way it was when we were younger. And, um, my mom didn't do it as much, um, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. But other members, absolutely. So it just was not this tight knit thing going on. So because this was such a big deal, and the news media was trying to talk to your dad, how was that affecting you and your brother? Your brother's younger, correct? Yes, he's two years younger. Okay, okay. How was that affect? And this is why guys, you're like, okay, you act like you don't know her. I don't know Cindy very well. And that's what's so crazy about this. So tell me the rest, because your dad's probably did he not know what was going on? Did he not know she was starting to Interestingly enough, the neighbor knew. My mom was really good friends with the neighbors. And the neighbor knew. My mom had only told the neighbor. Her name was Sandy. She had two kids about our same age. So she was one of the people, I believe, that was over at our house when we got home from school. And then my dad started talking to everybody. And nobody knew. Nobody knew. Mm. Now. That being said, let me tell you something interesting that you might find very fascinating. Okay. So before this 1974 date, when she originally left, I'd have to look it up to see exactly the date. My mom had my brother and I over at Grandma's Grandma Lorraine's house, okay. and she lived in a mobile home. Yes. Grandma Lorraine is also my grandmother. So, okay, keep going. Yes. Okay. So we're at Grandma Lorraine's house. And I don't even know if Lorraine and my grandfather were together or not. I don't remember that. But the leaders, Bo, they called them Bo and Peep at the time before they called them Doe and, and T. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So they originally were called Bo and Peep. So, But let's tell them what their name is. Okay, so we're talking about Marshall Applewhite, Marshall Applewhite. and Bonnie Nettles. Yes. Okay. So they were there at my grandmother's house and we happened to be with my mom. And so I met them when I was really young. And so we were kids and we were bored. There's adults, they're talking, they're probably planning and talking about, you know, the next step or what's going on, but we didn't pick up on anything. So we started opening drawers (laughs) and just like kids do. And we're playing in drawers and we opened a drawer full of money, like gold coins and just all this money was in this drawer. Well, come to find out later, my dad had, my dad and mom had a whole bunch of gold, like gold bars and like stored away in the garage or something. My mom had taken all that 
And yeah, and and I guess took it. My grandmother must have had some too, or either that was my mom transferred the money over to my grandmother's house. I don't really know. But um, yeah, he had met them before they ever left, not knowing what was going on. They're just some more adults, you know, like, why would I know? So then after they left, you had asked me the question about the news media and how it affected us. It was hard because the news media would come to our house and you're a little kid and they're taking pictures of us and they're wanting us in all these different positions, you know, so they can plaster us on the front page of like, you know, I remember they had a pregnant picture of my mom on the front page too, which she wasn't pregnant when she left, but it was just a picture that my dad happened to have of her, you know, just like trying to promote her. She was a mother, you know, and so we didn't understand what was going on. It was really difficult. Um, My dad was under a lot of stress. We both were under stress. I mean, all of us as a family were under a lot of stress. There was a lot of tension. And my dad basically told us we had two weeks to mourn this and we have to move on with our lives. Wow. Okay. I am astonished at the fact that your mom never even, and you know what, let's tell the listeners what your mom's name was at the time. Oh, Judy Rowland. Okay, Judy Rowland. Um, Judith Ann Rowland. Judith Ann Rowland. And a lot of people called her JR. My mother called her JR. I don't know if anybody in your family called her JR. Um, later, when she came back, she was referred to as JR. Okay, okay. Well, there you go. See, I didn't even know that either. Um, I know. This is going to be a long episode. But my goodness, how did she not... How did she not say goodbye or give you any clue or just spend a little time with you guys? Did that ever happen at all before she left? You know, how did she not say goodbye? Like, that's probably what hurts the most. And obviously really hurt my brother that my brother had addiction issues. I understand. Um, And he is not alive and with us today um, just because the addiction got the better of him. And um, I sought a lot of counseling in my life, about 20 years on and off of counseling to get me through all this. And my brother didn't do that. And, um, found his way through addiction and to deal with his pain. I, th- I don't know if people understand. It's not just my mother leaving that hurt the family, but after she left with all the PTSD that we were dealing with, we now were very stressed living together. And my dad did the best he could at raising us, but there was a lot of issues after she left with the three of us. Oh, I can only imagine. I mean, just the fact that, well, you know what? And I think that you don't know what you don't know. And your dad didn't know how to handle this. And did he not, did he not know this was going on with your mom? I don't understand that part. So he didn't because, well, I'll tell you something about Lorraine and um, your grandma, my grandma, um, is that her and him never got along. And now that I know what I know, My dad has very narcissistic traits, and Mm -hmm. so does Lorraine. Mm -hmm. And I believe you have two narcissists that were controlling my mother, is basically how I see it. Right. And so, you know, that's initially what I think, that Lorraine was being very sneaky, and then she was telling my mom probably not to tell anything to my dad, and, and they did it very sneakily behind his back. My dad never, ever knew. He would have stopped it, and I believe that's why my mom did not take us with her. 
is because, well, for one, they didn't take children. But but if she could have taken us, I don't think that she would have, because my dad would have never let her take us. Mm. Like, it would have been a wrath on her part. Right, right. Yeah, that's just how my dad is. And guys, okay, when Heaven's Gate started, and this is what Cindy and I were talking about earlier, we were talking about who started this group. And my grandmother, her grandmother as well, Lorraine Snelson. Oh, I always say Snelson. Lorraine, uh, at the time, Wilbur. Lorraine Wilbur. She and my Aunt Sharon and Applewhite. Not Nettles yet. Well, no, he'd met Nettles by then, had he? I believe they met both of them at a bookstore in um, Santa Monica, California. Okay. <laughs> but I believe it was both of them. Um, but I could be corrected on that. Yeah. But the thing is, my grandmother was part of the reason this, and so is my aunt, her aunt yeah. as well, started this religion. And that's what blows me away. You guys, you know, I'm all into the woo woo. I don't have a problem with reincarnation. I don't have a problem with, you know, talking about the light and different levels of heaven. I don't have a problem with any of that. This stuff, and this is one reason why I talk about cults a lot on my podcast, because I wasn't at all a part of one, neither was Cindy. But we have relations that were. And it fascinates me to find out the mentality of why you would ever do this to yourself, let alone to your family. So Cindy, when you came home and everyone was there and they had left, he said, you have two weeks to grieve. And then did you just go on with your life? Did he decide, did you move? Did did he get remarried? What happened after that? Well, so, so my, my mom wrote some letters. She wasn't supposed to, okay. but she wrote some letters. And she wrote one letter saying that she had cancer okay. and that she was dying. Okay. And my dad felt like that was a lie. To my knowledge, she was never treated for cancer. Okay. So I don't really, I don't know. She was trying to justify in her mind what she did. I, yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. And she wrote another letter, but I don't remember exactly what that said. My dad actually had to use those letters eventually had to give those to the courts in order to get a divorce from her. Oh, really? Yeah, because she had credit cards and she could basically go live off those credit cards Mm. or open up new credit cards as long as they were still married. And back then, I don't know if that's still the case, but it took seven years to get a marriage dissolved that if somebody leaves and doesn't sign the proper paperwork. Yeah. Yeah, and, and plus getting full custody because she's also a parent. So that probably right. took a while too. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty much, she wrote letters and I don't know, I, like it was strange to, to hear the letters, you know, to see the letters and like, what? And at this point, you know, here I am growing up. I don't really know my mom. People ask me, how does it feel to see her on a documentary? How does it feel to see her in a magazine? Or when they, every year it seems like they, they talk about this. And I understand it's the largest mass suicide in United States soil. Right. I get that. But it doesn't affect me too much as far as seeing her because I didn't know her. Um, I didn't know the woman that was in the cult. Right, yeah. Oh, no. And they became completely different people. They changed their names. They changed the way they ate, the way they dressed, the way they lived, the way they slept. Every single thing. They were very regimented. That's what you call a cult. And even Applewhite admitted it was a cult. He said it was the right cult. And the true cult, which was ridiculous, but, um, and he made it up as he went because eventually his right-hand woman, Bonnie Nettles, had brain cancer and ended up dying. And in his mind, in their little made-up cult world, 
the body wasn't supposed to die. So when she died, he had to whip up something else uh, to make it work and to convince everyone to stay with him. Because when you talked about your mom having all that gold, uh, he wanted all the money from every single member. Yes. And he wanted them not to contact their family. Hence why your mom snuck the letters to you. You were not supposed to get a hold of anyone and you were to blow everyone off and become part of his little entourage. And let me give you a little backstory about Applewhite. He was born in Spur, Texas in 1931, Marshall Applewhite. Uh, His father was, I think, a Presbyterian minister, hence the religion part there. He was also a homosexual. And I think that was the first part of why he kind of lost his mind a little bit because he tried to go and get fixed. He tried to go and and get the therapy of, I don't want to be gay anymore. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. You're gay, you're gay. If you're not, you're not. It's just the way it is. He never got counseling. And I think he was bullied in high school. So that is the foundation of where he came from. A very strict upbringing, a very religious upbringing. And he had that narcissistic attitude as well. He became that, you do it my way or the highway. Um, This is the way it's going to be. And he was so good at it. He was so good at preaching this to people. They believed him. And he, yeah. And, And I think at one point, There was like over 200 people in this group in like 1974. It was really building up. And yeah, uh, yeah. so tell me what else you know, Cindy, from this point on after your mom joins. Well, so when I got ready to graduate high school, she kind of magically appears. What? Okay, that that totally reminds me of everything else in my family that happens. (laughs) And the even more strange thing, as she appears, my dad loved her so, so much. And when she comes back, my dad lets her move back in. And they kind of resume where they left off. What? The only thing is, is my dad knew that she wasn't all right mentally. Hmm. That she was still in the cult mentally. He could tell. Okay. All right. And then he said, you can't. Where this isn't going to work. You can't be here anymore. Mm. And so she, for five years, she lived in the town in which I live now. And she worked at a bank and she dated. And I actually um, lived with her for a little while. Really? Yes. I was, you know, 18. And she lived in her dad's mobile home in the area. Mm And I wasn't supposed to live there, but I wasn't there a whole lot. So I just kind of slept there when I wasn't out with my boyfriend at the time or something. And I oftentimes wondered, you know, I had opportunities where I'd spend time with her. And I had wondered, well, why didn't I ever ask her about the experience of her leaving or talk to her about it? And do you know there was a part of me inside that was afraid that she would leave again? Of course, that was why. No, and if, you, yes. No, I never yes. brought it up. Well, you were smart even back then. Any tension, because PTSD as a little girl is very strong. The older you get, the worse it gets, unless you get help for it. Hence, your sweet brother who didn't make it, unfortunately. And I feel so badly about that. And I'm so sorry to hear about that with him. Um, and I'm so sorry he didn't get a chance. Did she um, Did she get to see him, though, before all that happened? Were they? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he actually... Um, If we go back a little bit, back to the high school time. So we found out that she was living in Texas and she was married to actually, of all people, a detective. What? (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> She's married to, I've seen pictures of him. He, oh, he reminds me of like a maverick detective. Was this the time that the group had kind of dissolved a little bit and yeah. had fallen off a little bit? And, okay. Because there was a time when I think it was, uh, I don't remember why they had fallen off. I think, oh, I think it's because... Bonnie was sick, and then he was like stealing cars, and and went. To, he went to prison for like three years. Applewhite did. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I, I didn't know that because he was writing bad checks, I think, and he stole a car, and okay. yeah, and then she got sick. So there was a five year period where I that makes total sense why your mom came back, and I think that's the time I met your mom. But we'll yeah. and we'll talk about that later. But tell me about your brother. Um, he was struggling. I mean, just like the rest of us, and he never really sought help for it. Mm-hmm. When my mom did move back and was living with us, my dad didn't know it. My brother was sneaking out the window and going and partying and doing all this stuff. My mom and my brother are a lot alike. And my mom knew what he was up to. And so she confronted him on it. But my dad and I were clueless. Wow. (laughs) My brother is sneaking out the window. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really interesting dynamics to see that my mom knew she, like, had my brother's number. And I don't really know much about their relationship because, you know, at 18, I was, like, so trying to find my own independence and, you know, I had a relationship going. Oh, yeah. I was only 18, but I I was very religious and I had met somebody and, like, that's. If I was with them for six years and, you know, I just thought my life was about that and working. And- sure, sure. And, you know, and you do. I, I went through not a real religious period, but I, I dated a preacher's son. And, you know, I went to church every uh, Sunday and Wednesday and all the things, you know. And But I kind of outgrew that. But... <laughs> Yeah. But um, I also went to college and I outgrew that. I yeah. <laughs> outgrew it real quick. Yeah. You know, and that's our personal story on that. But I remember meeting your mom. That must have been at the time that, like you said, she was out. She came to see my mom. And my mom is the oldest child of Lorraine. And I used to sing in lounge clubs. Uh, I was in a little group. And uh, if you guys don't know, I used to sing all over Dallas and Fort Worth. And I was singing one night and it was right before my set. And my mom and your mom, who had the short white hair, you know, she let her hair go gray. And she was just a cute thing, came in and they sat down and listened to me sing a whole set. And I got to talk to her and she was very quiet, but very lovely and nice and sweet. And I, that's all I know about her. I just said, okay, this is my half aunt that I just met for the first time in my 20s. Because I'm a little older than you. I think I'm like five years older than you. And um, I don't even know. But anyway, so uh, is it two years? Okay, so I'm two years older than you. So yeah, okay. Yeah, we don't have to mention the actual ages. But that was my only contact with her really. And I remember, I think that night we all went to dinner or something, but she was lovely. I mean, I don't have anything bad to say at all. I just didn't know who she was and I didn't know her, but my mom was thrilled to be talking to her because I think obviously my mom knew what was going on because her sister, Sharon, who lived in Houston and at the time we were in Dallas um, and this is where it all kind of started. Well, it started in California, but Applewhite was born in Texas. So he had those Texas ties. And I think that's one of the reasons why Sharon moved here. Oh, okay. Now, and I may be, I may be totally wrong on that, but it just, there's so many ties there, yeah. you know, and they, because we lived in Kansas and then we moved to Texas because Sharon lived in Texas. I was surprised that my mom ended up in Texas. So I wouldn't know why she ended up in Texas. But now that you say that, it makes sense that yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's probably because of following the group. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it's so weird because we're literally putting the pieces together, guys, because Cindy and I have talked about this a little bit on the phone before. I mean, it's not like I don't know her at all, but we literally only know each other primarily through just a lot of phone calls. And there's things that I remember she said, and there's other things I'm like, what? You know, so (laughs) if it sounds like we don't know what we're talking about, it's just because we're finding things out while you're finding them out. It's exactly how I write my books. You find out when the characters find out. So, but that's all I know about your mom. So she confronted your brother and then did she just decide to leave the husband she was with and go back to the group when it reformed? Well, she left Texas. Yeah, she divorced the guy. (laughs) From what I understand, I have pictures of her. From what I understand, she actually divorced him. She moved out here. And I don't know how it all took place because she's so good at leaving people. And (laughs) um, I remember, I think she was writing him and there were some pictures and she moved in at her dad's ranch up here in Ojai, California okay. area. Okay. And she had said that she was baking bread, living in Texas as a housewife and baking bread. Like that's pretty much what she did. Okay. Like, and I was just like, whoa, you know, and then again, she eventually made her way back into my dad's life and tried it and didn't work out. I do remember when I was living with her, I did find her journal, one of her journals. Oh. They they kept journals. Okay. And so I read it, yeah. <laughs> sneakily read it. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was really pretty boring, actually. I, I was like, you know, for being 18 and I was pretty wily, uh, just comes to the family I come from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, wow, she left for this. I mean, because she was just writing about doing laundry and it was very regimented. And I was just like, I was like, what? Like, this sounds so boring. You know, and I mean, now that I know what I know, I feel like her and Lorraine and Sharon were just so spiritually hungry. And if you were to look at that time in our society in the 60s and the 70s, there was a deep spiritual hunger going on. And it wasn't the spiritual hunger that religion actually could feed. It was deeper. Right. No, I absolutely believe that. And that's the thing. When I met Lorraine for the first time, I was telling you before we started recording, I met her, I think for the first time when I graduated from high school and she just shows up like your mom did, you know, and she just shows up and I'm like, okay, I don't even know who this woman is. It's my mom's mom. Okay. Hi, how are you? She's my grandmother. Hi. She's very nice. You know, a little strange, a little eccentric. Uh, That's the best way. Yeah. Just eccentric. But you know what? My mother was pillar to post child with Lorraine. She never kept my mom in one place. My mom's dad, before he died, though, he married another woman. They had a child. My mom went to go stay with them, and they wanted my mom, but Bart wouldn't let them keep my mom. So she was just always with all these other people in the family, you know, never one person. So it makes you go, okay, I I get how you can just turn it off because your mom had to turn it off. I don't think your mom had Lorraine in her life a whole lot, right? Well, she didn't. So first of all, one of the stories I heard about Lorraine and your mom and Sharon is that basically they were left on the doorstep of Lorraine's sister to raise. Oh, really? So Lorraine's sister was the one who raised your mom 
and Sharon. Was that the people in Wathena, Kansas? I believe so. Okay. I do know she was there for a while. I don't know how long she was there, but yeah, yeah she was there for a while. Um, yes. And I remember that because that was Lorraine's side of the family. And Lorraine had like how many different husbands? I don't even know how many. And she yeah, just... I, I don't know that either. Yeah. I, <laughs> you guys were like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> but I do know that there was also, my dad had always said that my mom and, and her brother, so my mom had a brother, Will, oh, oh, yes, and he served... Him. Yeah, and he served in the Vietnam War. Okay. And Lorraine and he's my grandpa, Bud Wilbur. Right. They would go and party at the yacht club and then leave the two kids up at the ranch, which is about a good hour away. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I don't know how old they were. They couldn't uh, have been that old. They were just out partying and just leaving the kids. And so, yeah, I, I think there was alcoholism involved there for right. sure. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, my mom later in Lorraine's life, and we can, we're stepping ahead a little bit. Lorraine lived with another, well, she married another man named Floyd and they had some land up in Missouri. Floyd died. And then mom got Lorraine and brought her here and she put her in a a nice little assisted living home or it was, it was like a nursing home, but a better than that kind of home. Cause I went and saw her and she was in good shape. And my mom had a very tumultuous relationship with her though. And she was not nice to my mom a lot. And my mom put up with a lot, but you know what? She ended up taking care of her at the very end. She's the one that ended up taking care of her. Let's be honest. She's the only daughter alive. So uh, yeah. And your mom was an angel for that, by the way, because I can tell you a story about when I went to visit Lorraine and my mom in Missouri, when they were living in Missouri, when my mom was done here, I believe she went out to Missouri. She wanted to get into real estate. Yeah. Yeah, that is the, how it went. Okay. The timelines. I mean, I, I literally would have to, all of this, I'd literally have to like visually write oh, a I timeline know. and all, like put all these, like you do a family tree, but all the stories of like how this went. But so I went to visit and your mom was there. So we went together, actually. We yes. were meeting together to visit Lorraine. And I knew it was going to be my last visit ever to Lorraine because I just didn't want to have anything to do with her. I was done. So I was literally saying, I knew she was getting older. She left the group because of her age, which is why she didn't die in the group. And so here your mom and I are out in Missouri, Rolla, Missouri, on this Nelson Farms ranch where my mom is actually buried. Um, right oh, across the street. Oh, and so is my uncle, Will. Will. Okay. And I think Lorraine is there too. Oh, no, I don't know where Lorraine is. Um, yeah, you, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I don't know either. I, I couldn't yeah. tell you. So we're there at the house and we're interacting, you know, just going around the ranch and stuff. And then we come in and have dinner. And we sit down at the table and the subject of my mom. So it's Floyd, Lorraine, your mom, and me. And the subject of my mom comes up and this is after the group had already died. Okay. And so Lorraine said, I am so very proud of Judy. That was your mother's name. And by the way, the group died in March of 1997. It's actually the 25th anniversary. And that's just a coincidence. Um, But go ahead. She said she's so proud of Judy. Why? But she's so proud of Judy for dying, for going, you know, leaving with her vehicle and going into the other realm that they were speaking of. And so everything was about Judy. And how close to God Judy was. And Judy this and Judy this. And and even Floyd 
who I didn't know very well, mm-hmm. he was also proud. And I was like, wow, Lorraine's really got him duped, yeah. you know, into believing yeah. all this. And meanwhile, I'm sitting right beside your mom. And I'm thinking to myself, here they have this living daughter sitting at the table right here yeah. that she could be so proud of and she could be giving so much love and attention to. And all she cares about is her daughter who is no longer living on this planet. Right. And I was just sickened by that. So I am pretty protective. So I feel at this point, I feel like I'm your mom's sister <laughs> and I, I'm serious. I, cause the next thing that I tell you is really interesting. No, good, good. So they were really into telepathy. The group was really about telepathy okay. and reading each other's minds. And so your mom got up to do the dishes and her back was turned to us at the table and your mom wasn't saying anything. And there wasn't a lot spoken. We were kind of just idle chit chat. Right. And then Lorraine says to your mom, Sue, I can totally feel those negative thoughts you're thinking. I can hear what you're saying. What? And I said, I was appalled. And I said to Lorraine, I go, I am sorry, but where I come from, you don't assume that you know what somebody else is thinking. You ask them. That's right. Good for you. I was so upset and even telling you, I don't know if you hear my voice change. I mean, I, I remember it too. And I called her out. And so then grandma Lorraine takes me into the front room and she starts whispering to me that Sue is not one of us. And she's talking to me like I'm one of them. And it had actually been talked about. And aunt Sharon spoke of this on national TV to Forrest Sawyer. That I, it was talked about bringing me into the group. What? Nobody ever talked to me about it, but Sharon told me this. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I remember you were very close to my mom and we thought it was great because, you know, you didn't have a mom growing up and she was kind of a mom figure to you and she adored you, adored I you. I adored her. Yes. 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 And it's so strange because we didn't have you you got our mom at her best and we're so happy for you for that but we wish we'd have had her at her best too do you understand what i mean I, and i don't mean that to diss her she did the best with what she could work with at the yeah. time and i always say that about her because i'm close to her now and i don't know if you listen to my podcast but i can talk to her now and i even asked her if this would be cool and she's like yes tell the story we have put it under the rug too long and if it helps anyone out there who is struggling with any kind of religious situation or narcissistic situation or some kind of controlling situation that you know is not innately right and you know in your soul it is not right I hope you hear what we're talking about with this kind of outcome because it is devastating to families it's devastating to your livelihood to go through these kinds of family issues or your own situation please try to seek help if you can in some way because you were devastated. Your brother and you were devastated, Cindy. Well, yes. And the other thing I wanted to mention that well, while your mom and I were out in, in yeah. uh, Missouri was that she started cleaning out some of the, um, even though Lorraine was there, she found the Heaven's Gate Bible. Oh, I didn't even know they had Rains. a Bible. Oh, okay. so so they they have a book, and I actually found it on social media last night. And actually, one of our friends' dads here, he kind of collects things like that, and he always told me, if you ever get a copy of that, I will buy it from you. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> well, yeah. but here's the, what your mom did. 
your mom found it and she's like, nobody should have this. This should be burned. There should not be any more copies of this. Nobody should read this. This is awful. Like, so your mom actually destroyed it. She was like, no, this is not getting into anybody else's hands. Yeah. And for her to say to you, Lorraine, to say, she's not one of us. It's like saying, you know, I feel like it's some kind of demonic, you know, uh, old fashioned movie going, oh, no, she doesn't believe that. You know, she's not one of us. Yeah, we have to outcast her. And that's maybe that's one of the reasons why she and Lorraine, until Lorraine was kind of out of it and had a little bit of dimension by then, uh, yeah. they didn't get along because later in life, you know, my mom still took care of Lorraine. My mom still did it. That's right. Yeah, I remember. I remember talking to her and I was just so proud of her and I would do the same. I mean, I love my father today. Uh, We've had some tumultuous times throughout our lives and I love my dad very, very much. And I am doing my best to take care of him. He lives six hours away. But um, yeah, I definitely help him out too, because that's just who we are. I'm I'm a loving, caring person and I love people and I love the people that I come from. And even through the the hard times, I have forgiveness. I have forgiven. Like I, there's no need for me to live with any kind of resentment because I love who I am today. I've worked hard to become who I am today. You are one of the, seriously, there's only a few people in my life that I can say this about, and you were one of them. And I'm not blowing smoke. When you and I talked that very first time, I could feel your kindness. I could feel how lovely you were. And we talked before we started recording. And I don't want to take the words out of your mouth, but I asked you, I said, you know, this is a blow to you. And, and I don't know if you ever wanted children. And you said, Leslie, I, I don't. I'm, I'm happy the way I am. And tell me what you said to me. I have that little girl that used to stare out at the moon wondering where her mom was. And... I've, I've needed to take care of her all my life and I really couldn't, I didn't have the energy to take care of her and raise a child outside of myself. I possibly could have found my way, but I wanted to give that little girl inside of me that didn't have the opportunity to have somebody care for her the way she needed to be cared for. So I spent my life healing her, which is why I ended up in doing the body work, you know, I'm in the healing arts. I am a massage therapist that does a very deep healing work and I've spent a lot of time in Sedona um, getting my power back, you know, and through this body work. So I take care of her and actually to prep for this phone call today, I actually, um, I did some crying yesterday and I held a pillow and I held my little girl. I told her it's going to be okay that we're going to be okay and it'll be okay to share. You know, it'll be okay to share from the heart because if I want, if my intention is in sharing this and which I felt no television program or HBO or any kind of documentary could do such a good job. Like I feel so connected with you and sharing is that we all need love. All of those people in that group, they were looking to connect with divine love. That's who we all are. And that's what I'm helping people with every day is to help them remember that we all come from divine love. And can we and do we feel like we deserve that within ourselves? That is what I'm working on. And that is what this conversation is helping me to, to go into another layer of yes, I am love and it is okay to share. I, it is okay to open up my heart and share some of my aches and pains. We all have them. 
And I've said that before in my podcast. Why we're here? It's about love, guys. You know, it's not it's not whose religion is better. It's not whose job is better. It's not who's skinny or fat or or you know white, black, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I was baptized three times before my mom left. By the way, oh, I've been dunked three times. <laughs> I've been dunked twice. I have. I know that sounds crazy, but I have too. It's so funny because you we were lost little souls sometimes because my mom didn't leave like your mom did. But there were some periods in my life that she wasn't around much, and it was when I was younger, and it wasn't. I don't blame her for that. I don't because there's no animosity at all. But it made me try to find it made me stronger. And it made me try to find my way. And that was at the time, the only thing I knew to do that didn't cost me a a lot, you know, unless it's Scientology, and we won't talk about that. But, um, (laughs) but, um, oh, my gosh, I'm just wiping tears because I know, I know. Yeah, because you know, you told me, you said that you didn't want to have any kids because you didn't want to be the mom that always left because the women in our family always left their kids. There's that too. Because abandonment runs deep in the women of this family. It does. It does. And and every single one of my aunts, they've all left their kids. Every single one of them. And I'm not saying bad things about them. And it's not been in the uh, amount of uh, trauma that Cindy's mom did, but they all did it. And, And it affected us. And, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. And you, by the way, have, you've done a wonderful job at being a mother oh. and a wife. It sounds like I haven't got to meet your husband yet, but I know. <laughs> just from what we've talked about. Yes. And so we do I'm need- very, very proud of you. Oh. I'm proud to know you. Well, right back at you because you and your sweet husband and I see pictures and you guys look so glowingly happy. It's just our little kids and our inner little kids play together. It's really great. We oh, have a good life. And you're fun. so adventurous and you, yeah. and you're just so, like I said, just so lovely. And I know you have a massage therapy business. We got to talk about that a little bit too. Tell me all about what you do. So I do a body work called myofascial release and it's a technique that's, it's a myofascial release is a technique that's taught different ways. This particular technique is the John Barnes technique. Okay. And I don't know how deep we want to go into it, but we have this fascial connective web from our head to our toes. And it's the same system that acupuncture uses and the Chinese have used for over 2000 years. It is a fluid filled vesicles that surrounds every muscle, every nerve, every organ in our body. It's uninterrupted from head to toe. And so when we apply traction for five to seven minutes or compression, your body knows how to melt that tissue and whatever is stuck or frozen in that tissue, it actually gets released. And sometimes that's physical memories or emotional memories. So we treat the whole body, mind, spirit. So we don't divide you up in parts like allopathic medicine does. And just like acupuncture or the Chinese way, it's like we're treating the whole body, the whole being. And I found a lot of relief in my life and I love doing it. I also do upledger cranial sacral therapy and I love it too. I just did a deep somato emotional release work 
in Denver, Colorado through the Upledger Craniosacral Therapy Seminar I just went to last year. And I won't go into it, but I was able to access a place in me that was about suicide and the suicide that's going on in the planet and also my mom's suicide. And my brother had actually talked about it when he was 16. So now there's a thread of suicide that kind of runs through that I can work with within myself. And it was very, very painful. That was around the abandonment. It was reaching another layer of the abandonment of my mom and then some abuse on the dad's side that Mm. actually helped me reach that layer. And it was painful. Oh, I bet. Well, you know, when and if we ever get to meet each other, you better be bringing your massage table. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But no. um, So when it all happened, and I'm just going to settle up this way, after the group took their lives, You know, Lorraine came to my house like a few months later after I just had my first baby. It was in 97. Uh, It was a few months after. And I hadn't seen her in I don't know how many years. It was just the timing. It all makes sense now. So, um, and I know at the time my mother was, she was getting calls from People Magazine. I know they were hounding you and your family. I don't even know how that affected you. That must have just been horrific for you. Well, let's just say one of the sociologists (laughs) called me and wanted to take me out to dinner and actually asked me on a date. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was not living here in the area. Okay. I was actually six hours north of here in a resort town. Oh, wow. And I was getting calls. My dad and my brother had actually done a show where they went down to Rancho Santa Fe where the death took place and were on the show. Uh, I didn't want anything to do with it. I actually had gotten away from my family just because I needed to heal from all of the family. And so, yeah, I was getting calls. I actually, the day that I called, they said they didn't have anybody by Judith and Wilbur in the group. So that was a Thursday. And then I called Lorraine, talked to her. She said, nope, she was in there. And I was like, okay, well, they're telling me that she wasn't. I called back on Friday and this time they put me on hold and there's a long pause and I knew that they were coming back to tell me, yes, we've done some more investigation. And yes, that was your mother, that your mother is here. So they got some counsel on the phone and Um, You know, you like the whole ghost thing. I was really angry because I I had thought one day I was going to get to actually approach my mom on her deathbed and say, why? Why did you do what you did? And that got taken away from me. So I was very upset. I mean, I got punching bag. I hung it in the garage and I just played Rage Against the Machine and I just let loose of this punching bag. So I was bad mouthing. I was so angry. I was talking to my friends on the phone. I was bad mouthing my mom. A picture got knocked off the wall. A picture that should not have been knocked off the wall. And I felt my mom's presence in the room. And she was like, knock it off. Like, this isn't who you are. You like. Yeah, that's what I've never forgotten that it sent chills through my body. And I told the person I was talking to on the phone, I was like, Oh, my God, a picture just blatantly fell off the wall and the glass broke and everything. Well, you know, I'm really glad, though, Cindy, that you took that as yes, my mom was being a mom and told me to knock it off. And that's not you. And I'm glad that you got that because I don't know if everybody would have gotten that. And um, especially through what you've been through. And I know it was painful for you to talk to me about this, but um, and it was a little painful for me. I mean, I wasn't involved. And you really weren't involved either as far as in the group. But it affected you almost more in a whole different way than it ever affected your mom, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My mom was she was just she was under a spell. I mean, and like her, she gave up her free will. She did. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. 
So any last words you'd like to say about any of this? Do you, do you want to say anything else? Just that I love who I am today. If I didn't go through all that I went through to get here, I don't know who I'd be. I mean, it all helped shape who I am today. Yeah. And everybody has a story. So abandonment's not just like, I know that this has been a Heaven's Gate episode, but it's abandonment in general. When you take away that mother, that parental mother love yeah, from a child, yeah. yeah, that security and that place, that tie that you have that love, you know, it's like an umbilical cord yeah. of love to the parent that brings you up. My mom did a good job until I was eight years old and then that cord got cut and it left a very big void within myself and for me to find my way. And I have, and I'm super thankful and grateful for it. And would I do it over again? I love who I am today. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah. And, I, and I'm a big believer in reincarnation and I do believe we pick who we're going to come down with. Exactly. And, and, yes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we all decided what we were going to do. And there was some reason why you had to go through what you went through. I had to go through what I went through to move on to maybe if we come back another even better life. And I have a great life. So I can't imagine coming and having a better life. So, you know, I'm, same here. And, and I, I'm so much stronger than I would have been had I been coddled too long or too much, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, I, I agree. And also the gratitude that I feel, which really connects us to love. And you know, once we get to that place within ourselves that we feel that confidence, and that we've worked so hard to get to know that inner place inside where I had that void and fill it with like so many rich people in my life, like you, my Aunt Joanne, my husband, like all of these people that love and support us, Absolutely. our families. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what we've, we've healed. We've healed our past also that connects us to all of these hurt people that were doing the best they could. They really were. They really were. And that's why, And because I have to come with this with love. If you come with this with resentment and, and anger and why did you do this to me? I can understand why you would have done that when you were younger. But now that I'm past it, now that you've grown past it and healed yourself and me too, I could look at it and go, my goodness, God bless them too. Yes. And in a very weird way, when I listened to the podcast about Heaven's Gate, where they interviewed Bonnie Nettle's daughter. Mm -hmm. I believe it's on NPR out of NYU or something like that. I don't remember the name of the podcast, but I remember the daughter. I had to stop listening when the daughter said her mom wrote her a letter every month and gave her $100 in the letter. And I have this weird thing that happened where I was like, well, that wasn't allowed. I am so proud of my mom for following the rules. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. She never wrote us a letter. And I was really upset, actually, to hear that. I right. was like pissed. Right. At the leader, the leader did this. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, like I'm sorry, like you didn't even abide by your own rules. Well, they and, make like, the so rule. They make them up as they go. That's that's part of the cult thing. I mean, seriously. So I can understand why you'd be resentful about that. Yeah. But yeah, I stopped yeah. listening. I couldn't listen anymore. I was like, well, I just this just really upsets me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and it's 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 yeah, very hypocritical. But yeah. but Cindy, to my sweet cousin. Thank you so much for just agreeing to do this with me. I found out some things I didn't even know. I think both of us did. I think it was healing for me a little bit. It made me go, ah, oh, okay, it's okay. You guys, for years, we did not talk about this. My mom forbade me to talk about this. I don't know about you, but, um, but I appreciate it so much for you just to open your heart and trust me with this. 
because um, this is this is a big deal for me. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I waited to talk about this with anybody but you. Um, I feel like you're just got the heart and the care and the love and the concern. And I actually feel like it's brought us closer together. So thank you so much for offering. And yes, I'm so ecstatic to um, hear the end result. (laughs) And I am so such in gratitude to you, dear cousin. Oh, well, I love you. I love you too. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.